Hello again, all my fabulous listeners, and thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Glow West podcast. And we're here to chat all about the delights of sex, sexuality, and the body. As always, I'm your host, Dr. Caroline West, and I'm delighted to be part of the Tortoise Shack Network, where you can find tons of content on politics, culture, society, trans rights, and of course, my favourite topic of sex. If you like what we do, please do consider supporting us at patreon.com forward slash tortoise shack. It really does help to keep the mics on. Or if you like, please pop over to Apple and rate and review. If you want to get in touch with the podcast, the Instagram and Twitter is at Glow West Podcast. So today I'm doing a follow up episode to episode 71 for those who don't go by numbers, but go by topics. That was the episode with Eve McDowell, who spoke to me about her experience of stalking. So today I'm joined again by... Hi Eve, but I also have Una Ring on today and both people are spokespeople for stalking.ie, which is an organisation set up to raise awareness of stalking in Ireland, but also to campaign for legislation in this area. So Eve and Una, how are you keeping today? Yeah, good, thanks. I'm very good, thanks. How are you? All good, all good. Um, I know uh, viewers or listeners may have been familiar with your story, Eva, uh, from listening to the podcast. And if you haven't, please do pop along and listen to that. That's episode 71. So not, not too many episodes back. Um, but Una, would you mind giving us a brief overview of your experience with stalking just to familiarise the listeners there? Yeah, sure. Um, I met James Steele um, through work. He was he was purely a work colleague. Uh, we got along very well, um, but just purely as work colleagues, we didn't go out socialising. We didn't have our lunch together or anything like that. And I worked with him for 18 months. Everything was fine. There were no red flags with him. And he left um, his employment with us and he moved on to another another company. And when he left, he contacted me and he asked me, could I call to his new place of employment to collect files? And I said, look, you can drop him off at the office because he to meet his replacement to go through the projects. Uh, then he rang me a second time and said that he wanted to offer me a job as office manager, which I already was in, in my in my place of work. And I, again, refused. I said, look, I'm very happy where I am. Again, it didn't raise any red flags. It seemed to be a, quite a normal thing. Um, and then he rang me again and asked me, would I give him a hand with... Um, setting up for an exhibition or an opening and I said grand so I met him at his new place of work it was it was quite early in the morning about quarter seven in February and it was dark and we went in he locked the door behind which again didn't raise any red flags because if I was ever the first to work I'd lock the door behind me we went upstairs we were chit-chatting and then I said look we need to go to the conference room because I want to go I need to go back to work and when I got into the conference room there was nothing there only a table um so I knew then he had duped me to to meet him there on my own so he made um unwanted advances towards me which I rejected in 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 as polite a way as I could I just said look I'm not interested in a relationship and I thought he was married and all that kind of thing so I let him down gently he seemed a bit annoyed by it but he seemed okay so I was quite worried it was kind of a scary situation because he had me pinned and he was trying to kiss me and I was saying, okay, I have to try and get out of here. So I said, look, we'll have a cup of coffee and a chit chat. So uh, long story short, anyway, he, he left me out eventually and I was very, very unnerved by it. So I went to the guards in June um, because he actually started messaging me the following morning and the messages kept coming and coming and they were flip flopping from being apologetic to being annoyed that I wasn't calling him back to being concerned because he hadn't heard from me. And then on the 1st of April, he said he was going to come to my house. 
which really unnerved me. But I didn't think he knew exactly where I lived. Um, but I look, I told him not to contact me again, leave me alone, all this kind of stuff. And he said, granted, leave me alone. He wouldn't contact me any further. Um, but I was very, very unnerved by the whole thing. So I went to the guards in June. I printed off a, a lengthy statement. I printed off all the messages that he had sent me. He had sent me links. And when you click on the links, it was downtown in y'all as if to say, look, I'm down here, you know, kind of scare tactics. Um, went to the guards. They they took it seriously. They said they'd check it out. Um, they rang me and said, look, we can we can go further with it um, if you want. And I said, no, look, I just wanted it on record that it had happened because he had gone quiet at this stage and I didn't want to aggravate the situation and bring him back into my life. So then on the 7th of July, I woke up and my car wheels um, were painted pink. Uh, called the guards, they came up, took a statement, took photographs. Uh, on the 13th of July, um, my house windows were sprayed with X's and O's and I win was sprayed across the windowsill. Um, again, called the guards, again, they called up, took a statement, took photographs, um, went around to the neighbours asking had they seen anything. Um, the following morning, a letter was left on my car window um, just saying that he was watching me. It was, hello, neighbour, was it? And he doesn't see me wearing dresses and I should wear dresses and that he was watching me and leave my back door open so he could creep upstairs to me, all this kind of stuff. Um, and the last line was, uh, looking forward to our moment, I will be watching you. So I was very unnerved by that. So the guards called out, um, called up again, took another statement. They advised me to get in CCTV cameras, which I did that actually that evening. Um, Crime prevention came up, they checked out the house, um, they said everything was fine except to seal the letterbox in case he poured petrol through. So I was very unnerved by that. So I got the letterbox sealed, got a post box put on the wall. Um, and then a couple of days later, there was another letter left on the car window and it was um, threatening to rape me and my daughter if I didn't have sex with him by consent. But we caught him on camera. Um, so I knew then definitely who it was. Uh, guards came up, took another statement. And then after the first letter, they had decided that they were going to do a drive by every evening throughout the night. And after the second letter, they decided that they were going to sit outside my house a couple of doors down in an unmarked car from midnight until 5 a.m. every night until he came back because we, we had a feeling he was going to come back. And four nights later, the weather was absolutely horrendous. And at quarter four in the morning, I heard voices outside. And I had actually went to bed dressed that night. I had a feeling he'd be he'd be back. And he was back with a crowbar, rope, duct tape, and he had um, a dildo strapped to himself with a condom on it. Uh, so he was arrested on my property. He was taken away. He was interviewed. There was three um, specialist interviewers brought down from Limerick to interview him. Um, and at that time, he was kind of saying it was all a joke and, you know, all this kind of thing. And then the following day, we had a bail hearing in Clonmel. So I went there and he just he took the stand and he said that he just gotten completely obsessed, that it was all he could think about from morning until night um, and how he wanted to bind my hands with duct tape. He wanted to um, put the duct tape across my my mouth um, to quieten me. He did intend on raping me. Um, the guards reckoned that he prob quite probably would have killed me and the children in the house as well um, because he had no flights booked out of the country and they said that I would have been able to identify him so um, they didn't think that he would have left me alive 
um, they had contacted Interpol, they had contacted Australia where he's from, and they found out that he had a prior conviction when he was 18 for indecent assault. He'd um, met a girl at a, at a nightclub, asked her to take a walk, and when she went outside with him, he jumped her throat to the ground, put his hands around her throat, and tried to put his hand up her skirt. She got away from him. He got a monetary fine, didn't get any jail time. Um, they are now checking um, areas where he was working um, to see if there's any missing persons up there. They have his DNA on file, they have his fingerprints, and they don't think that this was his first incident. They think it was the first time he got caught. Um, he left work. There was another colleague who we think gave him my address. He left work in November and James Steele disconnected his car tracker on the 22nd of November. So they actually reckon he was up and down to my house from November to when he started the, the thing in, in July. Um, now, bear in mind, it's a two hour trip. It's a four hour round trip to his house from my house. Uh, there was an awful lot of thought, an awful lot of planning. They found Internet searches for chloroform um, and they found they, they they'd put a search warrant on his house the following day after he got caught. They had the search warrants ready. Um, they took all his electronics, they took the electronics from his workplace and they found a lot of internet searches um, on rape and murder and the chloroform one. He tried to get chloroform. So he was sentenced to, uh, first of all, it was nine years. He was given two years off for pleading guilty. Uh, he was suspended for two years. So he's five years um, in prison, five years probation after he's released um, in lifelong no contact order. He will be put on the sex offenders registry when he's out and his due release date is the 24th of April, 2024. Jesus, Una. <laughs> um, well, that's, uh, my, that's my story that's in a nutshell. Jesus, like, uh, I don't know, like, it's just uh, that's so much. And I know um, y y you've both spoken about your appearances or your experiences many times in the media now at this at this stage, but it's it's so shocking to listen to it and i know both of you have to try and manage your story in order to share it in public to raise awareness of it and like what is that like is that is do you feel like it's empowering or is it re-traumatizing as well to kind of have to bring up because these are horrific things you know that that both of mm -hmm. you ha have been through and now have to keep telling people this kind of story even michael to like, you first there i i I suppose on the good days, it's empowering. On your low days, it's re-traumatizing. Depending on how you're feeling. Well, that's the way I feel. I don't know, Eve is probably the same. Depending on how I'm feeling on a particular day, it can be a very good thing to be talking about it, or it can be a horrendous thing to be talking about it. Um, but it has desensitized me to it a lot, which, which is good. I can just kind of rattle it off and don't really think that much of it. But if I'm having a bad day, and I think about it, then 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 that does me no good, you know, because like it upset the whole house really because my son um was staying up by by night and sleeping by day. Like he used to have to escort me out to the car and back because they were saying one of my vulnerable times will be going out to the car. So he used to escort me out, wait till I drive off and go back in, and then when I come home, beat the horn, he'd come out and he'd walk me in. Like my daughter wants to sleep with a knife under her pillow, she wants to rearrange our sleeping arrangements so that we'd all be in the front of the house with locks on our door so we could get out. The front window if he got into the house um it was just like it had a very knock-on effect even on the people in the park because they were all watching out for him as well like they all knew because the guards had been around 
and so they all knew what was going on like my my mother was very upset over she's she's 83 she's living on her own she was terrified my sister every morning i had to send her a smiley face to let her know it was okay and then i'd ring her if it wasn't so like it wasn't just me it was all those around me as well you know my work colleagues like i missed an awful lot of work over it um you know and then i kind of had a breakdown in september and i just missed work from september until until january of this year i i just couldn't cope at all you know and i have a very good gp and i have a very good counselor yeah yeah yeah. um and even though i'm only back to work part-time i'm actually i was office manager then i couldn't do that because i just wasn't able for it so then they put me in in the planning department and again i just wasn't able for that so i'm back now as an office administrator and when i started in the company eight years ago i started as a part-time administrator and here i am now eight years later after working my way up the ladder working my socks off and I'm back to square one, basically. You know, that's what it's done to me. Um, my, I had I had savings. I saved very, very hard because I wanted to do up the house. We wanted to go on holiday. Uh, I had to use all my savings for um, to pay the bills while I wasn't working. So now I'm living paycheck to paycheck. And that's, that's that, you know, and that's, they, these are the side of things that people kind of don't realize is the knock-on effect. Like the financial implications for me have been absolutely massive. I'm back now on a part-time wage. Um, all my savings have been used up. Um, and I think that's one of the things that I'm most bitter about, really, because I had worked my socks off um, to get where I was before this happened. And I just feel he's, he's put me back eight years financially, like, you know, and, and career-wise, professionally, he's put me back eight years. You know, and that's that's a very bitter pill to swallow when you've worked so hard for that length of time absolutely and a very very understandable and unfortunately very common for a lot of people who are experiencing domestic violence as well that like you know Mm. there is that impact on career and on finances and things like that and I want to I want to go to Eve there and see if if you've had a similar experience that way as well because you're you're quite young you're you're only a wee baby Mm. um and you're only kind of starting out in your career whereas Una's a bit more established I suppose there um um, have you had that kind of same experience? Initially, I went um, back to work straight away. Like the morning he broke in, I rang my manager. I was supposed to be in at 12. I said, can I come in at nine? I just threw myself into work. But then breakdown happened twice, I'd say, after that with the court cases and stuff. And now I've just left my job as team manager in Ireland, Ireland's largest sports retailer. Um, I've had another man like just sitting outside the shop constantly looking in all the time and although it's not near as serious it's just completely re-traumatized me in that sense I think like I've actually had to just completely remove myself from work I don't think people realize the long-term effects like it's still affecting me now even though the situation isn't as serious as what I've dealt with before like this guy is a drunk he for the last like two years has been showing up to place of employment and he's doing it to a couple of other girls as well like I've seen posts on the house hunting page in Galway I spotted posts about him Um, he's been sleeping outside this other girl's house and because he's homeless he's just you know the guards are like well he's homeless so where do you expect yeah. him to sleep and where do you expect him to be Um, so it's just really frustrating because I can't like I can't focus when I'm in work if there's someone outside looking in at me it's so triggering for me absolutely um so I think yeah I just need to take some time and like try and focus yeah focus on campaigning for the 
legislation to be updated and laws to be brought in. Yeah, so that's what I was going to talk to both of you about today is you are both currently campaigning to have the legislation brought in at this point. I think the petition's at something like 9,000 signatures-ish. Um, talk to me about the next step now. So you currently have a petition to introduce legislation and you have some politicians on board um, with bringing in changes. So I'll go to both of you on this. I'll start with yourself, Eve, there. Yeah, well, um, Senator Lisa Chambers has been working um, on a bill. She came back to us with one draft and then we had a few things to add because we've been trying to educate ourselves as much as we can about this because we need to get this right. Um, so we've been liaising with the various groups in England as well and getting their advice and making sure that we do it right. So we just had a meeting last night um, where, you know, we had a few, myself and I had a few more changes that we were like, right, okay, I know it seems small, but this could make such a difference on a victim's life when it does come to court so hopefully then that will be submitted to the bills office in the next few weeks and then after that there's like loads of stages for it to go through um in the shannon and stuff but yeah i think that once these changes have been made and if that passes the bills office i think we have a, a fairly good bill there oh, it, it would be an amendment to the 1997 non-fatal offenses to the person act and just for me and I know for Una as well, just, it was so important that the chain or the terms harassment and stalking aren't used interchangeably because that's what they're saying in England. Sometimes you have stalking cases charged as harassment when they're actually stalking, whereas with like harassment, the intentions of a harasser and the intentions of the stalker are so different. If someone's harassing someone, you know, there's an there's a resolution to the issue. Usually, you sit down and work something out. But if someone's stalking someone, there's not going to be that resolution, you know, that contact. It won't because of that fixation and the obsession. Um, because they're so different in nature. Some of the behaviours, I can see where they overlap in some behaviours. I do think we really need to start identifying them as two different things because, you know, the, the, there is some huge differences between the intentions of the perpetrator there in both cases Absolutely. and the effects on victims. Sure. And then I know, Una, you had a, a, a frankly quite terrifying statistic about 85% of the women in the US um, had experienced um, stalking before they were either seriously harmed or murdered. Was that the case? Yeah, yeah. And like I watched a good few documentaries on, uh, unfortunately, it, you can only get information on cases that happened in, in the States or, or in, in the UK because we don't have a, stalk, a law against stalking here. So there is no stalking crime. Um, but yeah, and a lot of them, like in a lot of cases, they weren't they weren't taken seriously. They were nearly told to, you know, stop annoying the police over there because, you know, there was they were just kind of saying, well, look, what you want us to do we're after doing this we're after doing that but they they really didn't get the help that they that they needed you know and like as he said there about the interchangeable between harassment and stalking like okay in my case there was harassment first and then it went up to stalking but in Eve's case she was purely stalked like purely stalked from the outset like he wasn't messaging her he was hiding in the bushes watching her coming and going for god only knows how long he went to her house with a hammer and I mean I know it's an awful thing to say, but I, I, I reckon if her roommate wasn't there, I don't think we would have Eve now. And that's that's the sad thing. And the fact that he shaved off his eyebrows and his beard and his hair, like we don't know what other bodily hair was that or forensic. Was that purely to hide his appearance or was it a forensic tactic that if there's no hair, there's no DNA? Um, 
I don't think Eve would be here today if 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 her roommate was there. I I think his intention was to rape her, and I think his intention was to kill her, and that's purely a stalking thing. There was no harassment in his case. He was a pure pure stalker, and she was a pure stalking victim. And to have no crime, I think, is fierce. I think it's it's insulting to women. I think it's insulting to Eve. Okay, I was stalked as well, but like it did, mine did start as harassment, so I can understand it being pro, uh, processed through the harassment case. But in Eve's case, there was no harassment with Eve. It was just pure stalking. And he's a very, very, very dangerous man. Very dangerous man. And I don't think... I, I do think I do think when he gets out, I do think he probably will end up with somebody and I do think he will end up killing her. I and it's an awful thing to say, but I do think that will happen. I think James Steele, my fella, could be a different kettle of fish. He's gonna be well in his fifties, nearly sixty when he gets out. You know, Igor is gonna be a hell of a lot younger and I do think he will end up killing somebody. I, I and I firmly, firmly believe that he's a pure stalker. He purely has stalking mentality. He didn't like. At least I had an idea because of what James did and the fact that he was messaging me and stuff. So like he was always there in the back of our minds, even with the guards. But whereas with Eve's guy, there was nothing to show that he was stalking her, only for her spotting him. So the chances are, if Eve hadn't spotted him following her and stuff, he could have just broken in and done that. And nobody would have been any the wiser. He's a pure stalker, pure stalker. And to have no crime against stalking is farcical in 2021, like. Yeah, absolutely. You know? And, and abs- you can see there, like, how how necessary it is. It just, it's such a harsh um, and and shocking thing to hear you say that and I know like both of you have been incredibly honest about your experiences and it's just it's it's a lot to process and I know you were speaking on a webinar about saying you were gonna you're thinking about having your name tattooed on your body in in case that you were murdered like that's wildly not okay and and like mm. you know and eve like if you're thinking they're going how did he shave off his hair because of friend like none of these are normal thoughts that we should have running through our li- heads as we just literally exist in the world and just try and get through every single day and so i, th- I feel like if you're thinking those thoughts and just going jesus christ this is a position i'm in to merely call that harassment just doesn't fit like there's no validation there i do think as well there's such a lack of education around stalking globally even still because yeah they're a bit ahead of us in england but they're still not where they need to be i think it's a crime that's only coming out of the dark recently because you know people are only standing up and talking about it recently and the effects that it can have and yeah just you know calling it harassment still nothing boils my blood more um, but I suppose it's just about spreading as much awareness as we can and getting to the stage where people can identify it and know what it is and when it's happening to them. Because, God, like, I don't know at what stage did I actually realise that it was that I was being stalked. Because, yeah, as Una said, there was no, I wasn't getting any text messages. I wasn't, you know, I felt like I was going crazy because I just kept seeing them. Um you know that was planned and that was thought out and there is yeah there's different types of stalkers as well you have like the intimacy seeker the predatory stalker people that stalk for revenge like it's such there's so much in it it's such a broad topic that interlinks with so many things and it's just 
it's gender based as well as we know um and it's so unfair that a lot of the responsibility is put on the victim to protect themselves it's like okay if you think you're being stalked it is to keep you safe but like the whole like um having to kind of log everything so you have that evidence there putting your social media accounts on private making sure you don't walk anywhere on your own like it's frustrating it's what you have to do to keep yourself safe but it's just back to this thing of like people particularly women have to take responsibility for their own safety all of the time and and this is very common in this experience of violence you know and working in refuges all the time a lot so much of the conversations were yeah this is crap this is completely unfair that you cannot have a public instagram that you can't go do xyz as much as you want it's completely unfair it's like extra punishment on top of things you know like we've already discussed that there's financial implications both of you said that you've had mental health breakdowns which is completely understandable i don't know how you wouldn't have one in that case and now you know you're having to dedicate your time and and re-traumatizing yourself and times talking to many strangers about this kind of aspect in order to get something changed and we still don't have that education there i know before we came on air eve you you told me fairly again a a shocking statistic similar to una's there that was at 91 percent of homicides in a part of the uk had stalking attached to them yeah, it's just like because the research isn't being done on the scale that it needs to be done. Like for me now, I'm like, God, this is so obvious. This is such a wide global issue. And in days as well, when like there's cyber stalking as well, which like often then turns to like in-person stalking, we have snap maps on Snapchat. So like you can actually see where all of your friends are if they have their snap maps on it. And if they're in a car, the car emoji comes up. You know, it's it's weird that this stuff is normalized and I suppose when that these things were created you know people weren't thinking oh this might be used in a negative way but you know like there's just so much information about ourselves accessible online especially the younger generation and it's it's kind of terrifying to think that someone could you know feed off of that and then they become obsessed and because usually with stalkers as well like a lot of them lose their jobs it becomes as it does for the victim, it becomes on their mind morning, day and night. It does for the stalker as well. So there's like, oh, it, yeah. And just for it to be so prevalent and linked to so many other issues as well, it's kind of like, you know, why, why haven't we been talking about this since day one? Yeah, absolutely. And I know, Una, you had a very good experience with the Gardaí, um, you know, the Irish word for police. Um, that's unfortunately not the case for absolutely everybody. But do you have an update on any um, particular, you know, trainings in mind, you know, to, to help improve that information? Because, you know, the guards are like the rest of us that we were all learning about this, I suppose, in one mm. sense. Well, my the, my file has been um has been taken by the um the superintendent um Declan Daly and another guy I can't remember his name now but they're the the one of the guys he's the head of the um the Guard Protective Services Bureau um and he's after requesting a copy of the file um I suppose and I've I've been trying to get onto the Garda Commissioner as well to to say to him that the like mine really was a masterclass on how to catch and how to prosecute um a stalker like everything they did like even in catching him the way they did it was brilliant the way they sat outside night after night just sitting in a car for five hours waiting 
but then they made sure that their chain of evidence was immaculate like their book of evidence was massive but they got so many people to look at it before they even sent it into the dpp that they they wanted no loophole they wanted nothing that that they could come back and say well look you hadn't done this so the case can be thrown out they were so meticulous with everything that they did from catching him to prosecuting him and that's why it went as smoothly as it did um because i mean the only hold up really for me was from the the, the defense side where they they wanted um a, a delay because they wanted psychiatric values that was um when they were handing over the book of evidence there was a delay of a week and then there was a delay he the plead he, he was pleading he pled guilty in october and they wanted a delay until february um for another psychiatric evaluation um so that's why like there was nothing that held it up on the gar on the, the prosecution side because they had all their their eyes dotted and their t's crossed like they, they really were brilliant every single one that might come up like and like before i was going to bed at night i was tidying up the house so the house would be presentable for the crime scene photos i was that sure that there was going to be something happen and something would have been something would have happened if they hadn't been outside waiting for him like he would have broken in he had a lock picking set um he'd have gotten into the house and i just wanted Number one, I wanted it for the crime scene photos so that there wouldn't be a load of stuff around the place and I wouldn't look like like a slob. But the other side of it is for forensics. If there's loads of stuff around, it's harder for them to get forensic evidence. So that's why I wanted the house as clean and as tidy, like I made sure all the washing up was done, that the counters were clear. So that I was clean the counters every night so that if there was fingerprints left, they would be his. Like I used to do this before I went to bed every night. I used to clean everything. I used to clean the banister going up the stairs. I used to go up with a cloth and clean it off so that any fingerprints left would be his. Um, and that's something that I just felt I had to do because I, I knew he was coming back and I knew he was going to do me harm. And again, with, with, with the tattoo, like I, I depending on, on how I feel when he gets out, the chances are that I will get one. Um, and had I known there was an internet search for chloroform, I definitely would have got one, you know, um, because I was just that sure that he was going to do me harm, you know. And I mean, the, the bottom line is, is that he would have. So, I mean, the guards, as far as I'm concerned, the guards saved my life and probably the lives of my two kids as well, you know. The it was just, it was absolutely nature, horrendous. The emotional nature of living like that and, and like thinking. I it's draining. Say, it, it's wait, draining. It, like that's, that's no. It's exhausting. No, it's not life. Like it's surviving, but no. it's not living or anything like that. And like. Even even when I was driving, I nearly went back into the back of another car one day driving because I was watching in my rearview mirror to see if he was following me and somebody slowed down in front of me and nearly went into the back of them. You know, all these these kind of things you, you think, and because he was a middle-aged man of a certain build with grey hair, like there's a lot of them around. So you think you see him even when you don't see him. And even now I still think I see him even when I don't see him, you know, because of the physique. And the hairstyle, like a lot of grey gray haired men, they kind of have their hair kind of cropped really short. And they kind of, a lot of them have like the middle aged spread. They have that build, you know. Um, so kind of like from behind the side profile, you know, it's, yeah. the, I see him, you know, when he's not there. Yeah, yeah I went course. for drinks, not last night, the night before. My first night kind of back um, for drinks in Galway. And the server just was identical to him. And I just froze at the table. Uh, my friend even said it to me. She was like, I look so like him. I was like, I know, same, same height, same build, everything. And just, I, I just was so uncomfortable the whole time. I couldn't enjoy myself. 
yeah and I'm just being frustrated at myself I'm like why do I still think this like you can probably see it behind me here I have two layers of curtains on my windows still because I you know you still worry yeah absolutely and then this is this is the point I suppose of of podcasts like this and stuff you know I'm not doing this to shock people or to exploit the sensationalist nature of it like we don't generally talk about super personal experiences on the podcast we talk generally but I think it's really important for people to understand that these are the consequences of in-person violence whether that's sexual violence or um domestic violence or anything like that like it just kind of reiterates how serious this is and the long-term impacts has you know a lot of sex education now is is really kind of going for a trauma-informed approach of you know like if you were getting into a relationship with someone and their brother looked like that person and you probably freeze the other person isn't going to understand that but you do because it's your body going oh fuck <laughs> like what's going to happen here and it's all that trauma is stored in your body so it, it's important I think for, for people to know actually that this and, is quite normal. Can I make another point there like about what I was saying about earlier about like me and you know how it affected my family and my friends and all that the other side of it is um like from the perpetrators of the stalkers point of view like their family's lives like my the guy that stalked me like he had a wife and two children like and they're their lives were completely turned upside down. And I mean, I was glad that the schools were, were were closed at the time because I said, God love them heading into school after their father being all over the news. Like that's the other side of it. So like it's it's not only the it's 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 the stalkers family that they are being destroyed as well, as as well as their own lives. I mean, they're they're going to be in jail for however long. Okay, it's their bad, it's their fault. But their families are in this, they're innocent victims as well. And I mean, they're the people they're supposed to love the most. And I mean, he threatened to rape my daughter. Like he has a daughter. You know, like where were her, where 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 was she in his mind when when he was typing that out and printing it, putting it in an envelope, driving two hours and leaving it there? You know. So for anybody who's listening who might be thinking, okay, this is a good idea. Like, think of your own family and the consequences for them, because you will get caught. And you will be prosecuted, especially now if we do get the law changed and it'll be easier to prosecute. Just give your own family a thought. If, if you haven't got the, the, the mindset to think of what you're doing to the victim, think of what you're going to do to your own family because it will destroy them as well. And I mean, it's such a horrendous crime for somebody to be a so like the, 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 these poor kids whose father has done this. That's going to follow them for the rest of their lives. They're always going to be known as his children and they're always going to be victimized. And there's no point in saying they won't be because they bloody will be. And I think it's nearly worse for them because as victims, we get the sympathy. They get the backlash. So I think it's like I think if somebody is going to do it, like if you don't spare a thought for the person you're doing it to spare a thought for your own family and what you're going to put them through. You know, yeah, that's a very good point as well to bring in. And I'll, like like you said, it's a four hour trip to where you were living. Like that's four hours they could have spent with their kids and, and everything else. And that's not there. But speaking of for um, smooth uh, transition there, um, you yourselves, you're both doing the campaign of awareness at the moment. And one of the slogans that you're using is stalking is for. So do you want to explain what that means? Yeah, so that just stands for, um, it's an easy kind of way for people to remember it. It's fixated, obsessive, unwanted, repeated behavior. So 
easy for, enough yeah to remember yeah there. yeah because there is a lot of confusion around you know as I was saying I had trouble myself identifying that I was being stalked because when you're not like aware of the behaviors and there's a lot of myths around it as well um yeah I think it's just an easy breakdown it's just there's no legal definition but it's just any behavior that's unwanted fixated obsessive and repeated so yeah yeah I just think that's a great way and I think that that identifies as a pattern you know like let's take the example of someone leaving you flowers that could be such a lovely romantic gesture and there's nothing wrong with that objectively you know we've seen it in Hollywood and TV and culture that roses are lovely and romantic and it's a nice gesture but which part of the four does that fit into the the unwanted I suppose if yeah I think, yeah, we did that in the course. There was a lot of talk about Hollywood romanticizing stalking behaviors. Like in Twilight, you have Edward coming in, breaking into her bedroom and watching her sleep. Let's take that out of context for a second. Hold on, that's not okay at all. It's not romantic. And, it, you know, things like the You Valentine's Day cards that were coming out, um, things like that. It just not only does like this romanticizing also minimizes it and it's it's dangerous like you're putting people's lives at risk by doing that yeah i mean like not 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 none of it is okay like if you're in a relationship with somebody and they give you flowers that's okay if you're not in a relationship with somebody and they start leaving you gifts that you don't want you haven't asked for and like you haven't given them the go ahead to do that and that that that's not okay under any circumstances you know so it's 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 the unwanted I suppose part of it and you know as I said you, you can get flowers from from somebody you're in a relationship with or you're friendly with or you're related to and that's fine that's a lovely gesture but you don't just leave flowers for you know for somebody that you have no connection with and and you know it's 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 not okay a card a gift of any sort none of it is okay if if you're not in a relationship with them or you're not friendly with them or you know yourself that you shouldn't be doing this. So don't, just don't do it. You know, it's just a bit of cop on, you know. And it's it's not like they're not giving the gift to try and, you know, make the person happy. A lot of the time they're doing it to say, I'm there. I'm with you. I'm going to keep you on your toes. It's just another way of interfering and overstepping a boundary, which yeah. is so like in itself is so sinister because you can say to someone, I know there was a case of a woman, she was getting boxes of chocolates and stuff sent to her house, but she finally noticed the expiry dates were her birthday. So there's like these underlying sinister kind of messages in it, you know, um, they're, you know, they're not giving them as presents for good intentions. Yeah, absolutely. Um, That's and it just, terrifying. Yeah, it kind of just shows how sinister in nature it is because they're nearly masking what they're doing and putting it in a bow tie for outsiders looking in to think oh maybe this is actually something nice when in fact you know it's back to that that obsessive and and, and as well as that it's, it's it's if it's somebody who's with say trying to get somebody's attention or trying to get them to be in a relationship with them it's actually very manipulative so it's a case of well I gave you flowers so you know you have to go out with me you know I spent money on chocolates for you so you have to go out with me do you know and that's very very manipulative and that's that's a very manipulative mindset that if you think that just because you give somebody something that they now owe you something in return, they don't. 
Absolutely. You know, and I think that's the other mindset as well that you know the manipulation is 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 another thing, and that's that you know that that's not a good mindset either. You know, it's reminding me of. Do you remember a few years ago there was a guy who? Now I don't, I can't quite remember if they were in a relationship or it was just a couple of dates, but she said she didn't want to see him anymore anyway, and he sat in some public area or something I don't think it was quite outside her house but near enough I was like singing all these songs on a piano or something and he was gonna do this until she spoke to him again and this divided the internet and people were like that's so romantic and others were like that's really creepy she said no but like we said we romanticize that like that's someone she said no and that should have been the end of it you don't need to publicly like essentially bully someone into talking to you because you've now gotten the whole internet wishing this romantic encounter would happen again. It's really quite yeah, like weird. imagine the pressure, the pressure like from the public. Pure manipulation again. It's pure manipulation. And I mean, if she gave in and started going out with him, like that leads her down a very dark path because if he's going to manipulate her into going out with him, it's going to be he's going to manipulate her into everything, and that's that's a relationship that's not going to end well. If it's starting on that foot, it's not going to end well, yeah. you know, and it is pure manipulation. As, as you said, it's, it's bullying. It's, it's trying to bully somebody into having a relationship with it. If she doesn't want it, she doesn't want it. Move on, you know, yeah. be a man about it and just accept, accept it's not going to happen and just move on. There's somebody for everybody. She's not the one for you. Get over yourself and, and move on. And it's just it's just pathetic that somebody thinks that they can bully somebody into going out with them and it's just it's 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 not okay and a lot of the time I think people who are they might feel sorry for somebody or they might be you know they might be a person who's like who's like of a very sympathetic nature and go oh god you know maybe I should give him a chance you know you, you shouldn't have to you shouldn't feel that you have to do that just because he's sitting outside playing a bloody piano you know bugger off bucko you know it's I, just it's 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 not it's very on. much media driven though as well it, it's like oh god loves a trier and oh fair play sure you have to try and life's too short and yet you, you have to it's it's so there's a massive societal conversation that we need to have here about how we're viewing relationships and also things like sexual coercion like this stalking is very intimately tied to sexual coercion because if you're not respecting someone's no initially you're also not respecting their sexual consent also in that aspect of things and um I do wonder if if you've had any support from domestic violence agencies as well as part of your campaign because it's it's very much linked to that and I know I've spoken to you both about how um you know having worked in refuges for so long we never had training on stalking and I would love for that to change but have you had any any support or interactions from agencies yeah, well, like we've we've had huge support from the Cork Sexual Violence Centre, um, and Mary Crilly asked us like why why we hadn't contacted her already, and I said to her I didn't even think of it, like the man threatened to rape me, and I still didn't think of it as as you know for, for contacting her, you know, and it just and like it never never entered my head. And I don't think it would have ever entered my head. You know, it was, it was Maxwell put even touch with me who, who put us in touch with Mary Crilly. And I don't think Eve would have thought of it either. I just, I just, it just didn't enter my head. Like, but I mean, the Cork Sexual Violence have been a huge support and they've been very good in getting our website up and running because like when I was going through it, I was online checking and there was no, there was no help whatsoever online for stalking in Ireland. 
Um, so that's why we set up the, the website just to help other people. Um, and that has been that has been huge. Like for me, that was the main thing that I wanted to do was 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 the website to help people. Um, and please God, we will we will get the legislation changed. But at least we have that much done. And it's there and it's live and people have been emailing us like the amount of emails we've gotten in, the amount of people that it's happening to is just huge. And I mean, I have gotten emails from men as well as women, but it's men are always the perpetrators. Men are being stalked, but the men are being stalked by other men. Okay, that's an interesting gender dynamic. Yeah. 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 There, there, there's, there's a, there's, I've gotten a lot more emails from men than I thought I would have, but they're all being stalked by other men. Okay. Thank you. I think I got one, one or two of where it was a man being stalked by an ex partner that was female, but like primarily it's, it's male perpetrators. Yeah. Wow. Okay. I want to just pick up on, on Una's point there as well for you, Eve. Um, I know like you, you shared your story and about how your stalker left a box of Viagra on um, your balcony. Did the guards frame that? Did they ever use the language of sexual violence as part of that or refer you on? I know Una had said she didn't consider it to be sexual violence because it didn't, it didn't happen yet. W- was yours the same case? Yeah, mine was the same. Like Viagra, I it was found at the bottom of the balcony, but no one told me about that until I was in the high court and it was being, they were telling the judge that. So for me to find that out in that setting, I think was, oh, because uh, my ex at the time was fairly convinced that my stalker could have been after him. Um, So there was actually a question mark, you know, looking back now, it's so obvious. But at the time, there was a bit of a question mark over whether he was trying to attack him for being with me or trying to attack me. Uh, but when I found out about the Viagra, I mean, it was just so obvious that everything made sense. Um, and I just, my heart sunk, I nearly got sick. Um, but yeah, no, no one had, I don't know. Yeah, Mary said that to me as well. You know, why didn't you contact the Sexual Violence Centre? I just thought, I don't know why it just didn't cross my mind looking back now probably would would have been a good thing to do because there was an element of sexual violence there definitely um but i do think that that's again reiterates our point of why we need stalking specific services because a lot of people wouldn't think of contacting these other services yeah, like ourselves you know? and i think it like if we phrase that in in terms of like domestic violence physical violence you know and physical abuse it doesn't even have to happen it's the threat of physical abuse if you leave I'm going to do xyz if you don't do this I'm going to do xyz and that's essentially kind of what happened with yourselves of sexual violence you had the threat of yeah. it but I think people don't like, realize that it's a spectrum of sexual violence and it can be the threat which is just as devastating you know in different ways yeah, like J- James was charged with them like his biggest charge was um attempted burglary with intent to commit rape um, so that that was his big like the full sentence for that is 14 years. So that was his biggest sentence. And I still didn't think of of going to it. And like he will be put on the sex offenders registry when he's released. And I still didn't think of going, you know, and he's serving his sentence in Arbor Hill, which is the, the you know, the main prison for, for sexual offenders. And, you know, I, I just still didn't think of of because I suppose I was going to my own GP. I was getting my own counselling. Um, so I suppose I didn't think of contacting anybody else 
at that stage because I was going for private counselling anyway um, and I felt that that was enough. I just It just never entered my head, you know, to, do, to, to go to anybody else, you know. And that really shows that, that we do desperately need to have a lot more education on, on these nuances and stuff. Um, just just before we finish up quite quickly, I know um, we've learned through, through this whole new journey of, of stocking education that um, in some places around the world that they have a stocking register, which seems to have proved quite successful. Is this part of the legislation that you're advocating for here in Ireland? It's no, not 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 at the moment. No, no, because we haven't even got we we like until you get it, you know, done as a crime, you're not going to have a register. So we have to get the stalking legislation through first. I mean, if the stalking le- legislation doesn't get through, then you know you, you're not going to have a register because you're not going to have stalkers because they're not going to be criminalised. You know, so like oh, it would be good to get it down the line but like even in the UK they, they, they tried and failed to get a stocking registered it just it, they, they have been trying and recently they, they just it, it didn't happen so we don't even have a crime against stalking so until until the crime is there there'll be no there'll be no stalking register but I mean if all stalkers are the, the the majority of them are put on the sexual sexual register then that is something at least you know I know Eve's guy isn't I know my guy is um but like if if there were, if we could get a clause, if, if I suppose it depends on whether the stalking legislation gets passed or not. If the bill gets passed, we have a leg to stand on. If the bill doesn't get passed, then we don't have a, we don't have a crime against stalking anyway. So I do think though, like you know, so stalkers have a around a sixty five percent chance of reoffending from the studies that were done. That's like that's really high. So it definitely is something. That we want to lock in. I think they're going to try for it again in England, anyways. I think it is in other countries, and they've stalking protection orders, so they're kind of like civil orders or restraining orders that you can get without the whole lengthy court process and stuff that will help intervene in the early stages. So there's so much that we hope to work on, but this is the building block getting this getting this bill in. Absolutely. I mean, if, if if you look at it this way, if if you if you have a lion out in wherever they are in Africa, right, and they're hunting. And you take that lion and you put him in a cage and you release him. Do you think he's not going to hunt again when he gets out? It's 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 a predatory mindset, and that's what it's like. And even like even myself and Eve were like we've we've discussed this, and that's what you do feel like. You do feel like you know you know the the, the gazelles that are out there and they're eating their grass, but their eyes are constantly darting around the place. They're getting through their day, but they can't relax because they don't know when somebody's going to pounce on them. It's the same thing, like the lions are, are predators and stalkers are predators. It's a mindset. I think it's there. I think they're hardwired for it. And I think if you put them in a cage for a while, put them in prison for a while, when they get out, I think the drive is there. They enjoy the thrill of stalking somebody. They get a kick out of it because if they didn't get a kick out of it, they wouldn't be doing it. And they wouldn't be doing it for months, however long Eve's guy was doing it was probably for over a year. I know James was doing it for probably about nine or ten months. Like they 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 they're not gonna stop. They're gonna do it again when they get up because they enjoy it. And it's like it's like an addiction for them, you know. And like he even said that on the stand that he was it was he was just completely obsessed. It was from morning to night. That's an addiction. So you can put somebody into rehab when they come out they can fall off the wagon or maybe they won't but the, the chances are that that they probably will and I think that's that's how I look at them I look at them like like lions that you you take them out you put them in a cage but if you let them out 
the instinct is just there to do it again. And I, I think it's it's an instinct that they have. And I I, I think, I don't know, I, I know you've said 65%. I think in reality, it's probably a hell of a lot higher. Yeah, so that, that really kind of drives home the need for for something to be done. And, and you guys are very bravely and very kindly and compassionately doing something, even though you've lived through these horrific experiences. Um, please remind us of the website and what listeners can do. I know you have the petition at the moment. Yeah, so it's www.stalking.ie. That's where our petition is. Um, you know, we were really hoping to hit the 10,000 signature mark before this bill goes to the bill's office. So we're almost there. So if everyone could sign and share that, we'd appreciate it so much. And we have some information on stalking support as well. Some information for family and friends, um, you know, things to avoid saying to someone as well, not to be minimizing it and to take the behavior seriously. Just make sure everyone's safe, you know, better safe than sorry, as they say. And our like our direct emails like mine is una at stalking.ie, Eve's is at eve at stalking.ie. If somebody wants to email us directly, if they don't want to tell a friend or they don't want to tell a family member and they just feel like getting it down on paper and sending it to somebody, just even just to get it off their chest, um, send us an email and we'll reply to you as, as soon as we can. And we'll just like we'll just give you the advice that we would have liked to have been given ourselves, you know. Um, what I would say to anybody who's going through it is document everything, print off your messages, screenshot them and go to go to go to the guards, bring your statement, bring your printed off messages and say, look, I want this on record that this is happening. Even if there's nothing you can do about it, I want it on record that it's happening. So if it escalates down the line, there's a log that it happened and go in. Don't ring them. Call in with it and say, I need to speak to somebody bring your stuff with you, hand it over to them. And it's their responsibility then. Even if they say, look, we can't do anything about it at the moment. If something escalates, it's there, it's documented and it's already been reported. So start, start there. And then, like you said earlier, it may be happening to somebody else at the same time. So if you have that perpetrator's name in the system, hopefully, you know, a pattern can be built up. and Maybe steps can be taken before something else happens. So um, I would definitely encourage all the listeners as well to please do go sign that petition. But also, um, you know, when we're looking at bringing that legislation in, please do contact your TD and your centres to try and lobby them to get them to throw their weight behind um, getting the legislation into reality. Because as you've heard today, Day. it's desperately desperately needed so um even una thank you so so much for for coming on today i really do appreciate you sharing your story and i know it's not easy to have to you know put yourself in this situation to to reshare again and again and i do really really appreciate the work that you're doing and the sacrifices that you're making to try and thanks so much make a better society <laughs> yeah thanks a million thanks so much for having us no worries um i know that that, that's kind of a hard listen for a lot of people and if you do feel upset please do reach out to the girls it's over at stalking.ie if you want um professional help not that the girls aren't professional but you know in trained counselors in sexual violence um the sexual violence center in cork is an excellent support service um and they're always ready and willing to listen to you as well so if you want to reach out about the podcast as well the twitter and instagram is at glow west podcast and I'll chat to you next week. <laughs>